Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Hello, I'm Galen Jones, and you're listening to Hacks for Life. I'm here with a good friend, Scott Rahi, and we've been having... um, Theological or religious or whatever kind of conversations you want to you want to um, whatever you want to call it, uh, but really enjoyed our, our time together, and I hope uh, I hope that you have too. We're, we're today's conversation is going to be around how we can have confidence uh, in the biblical text, the books that we have in the Bible, how we can be sure um, that uh, that's exactly what we need, and God has provided uh, everything that we need. Uh, so that we can follow him and be a blessing to others. So, uh, Scott, let's um, rock and roll with it. Yeah, so we're using this word canonization or canon, and we don't mean, you know, a canon that fires, you know, shells and things like that. We mean the collected texts that we believe are God's communication to us. Now, the, can, uh, uh, and I just thought about this, I, and I I have seen this, where you have each book bound independently, yep. you know. For example, you have the, the book of Genesis mm-hmm. bound independent of sure. Numbers and Deuteronomy and yeah. and so forth. So um, that idea of canon means that collective binding that we have in yeah. our traditionally. Christian Bible. Yeah, what we would effectively say is, even if they're bound separately, like you're describing, <laughs> you, add, you you stack all 66 of them together, and you say, this is the entire body of writings that God has communicated to mankind. Mm-hmm. And that's the canon. That's the canon. Okay. And the question about how do we determine that is kind of what we're walking through and, and sort of you know approaching. Um, there were early, there were very early attempts at canonization. There were, you know, right from the beginning, people were beginning to ask, which books should I consider to be from God, and which are just good commentary from people that care about God and different ones. And there's a lot of writings that are out there. The church fathers wrote just lots and lots of stuff, but nobody's ever tried to say that's from God. These are commentaries by early Christians about you know the the biblical texts mm-hmm. about the canon. Now, when you just just for our listeners, when you say uh, church fathers, mm-hmm. what uh, and and that may be a whole different conversation at some we could point. Do that but a separate but conversation. Uh, just for our listeners today, because we've we've kind of introduced that. Yeah. What it what what does that mean? Well, I mean, there's this there's this body of sort of Christian leaders in the early centuries of the Christian move in the Christian movement and they were influential and they would they would write and they would um, come out with opinions and they would they would comment on different scriptures and they would have conversations and you see people like Justin Martyr and Jerome and St. Augustine and different ones that came there's quite a few of them um, and yeah collectively they're called the church fathers okay okay so the first and so I want to I want to before you know going any further I want to acknowledge that the first two sort of attempts at canonizing Scripture, the New Testament specifically, because by the time the New Testament was being written, they'd pretty well established what's the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot of debate about and that. That was something else in a previous conversation that we had. Um, you had mentioned, we, 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 we've talked about the idea of Scripture. So when, like Paul or Peter said, Scripture being a Jew. Yeah, they were talking about the Old Testament. They knew they had that canon for the yeah. uh, uh, the old the That's Old right. Testament right. What we would call the Old Testament writings. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, they had a view of Scripture um, that we've kind of lost and as as we you know as as time has passed so um anyway just so our listeners would kind of understand that uh some of the words cuz you you we we t- just briefly touched on it uh in our last conversation that you know um we have to remember that they spoke about religious things differently than we do today this is very true yeah so and i think one of the things that's so revolutionary about it, if you go back to these the the you know verses that I was quoting that we were talking about last time, where Paul talks about his writings being scripture. He was putting his writings at an equal level with what was generally understood by the Jewish community as scripture, which is the Old Testament. What we think of as the Old Testament, they considered it to be the Bible. Yeah. And he's like saying, "No, no, my writings, what I'm telling you, they're also scripture." And Peter was confirming that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a pretty radical claim. Yeah, from these, that's from, pretty No wonder, bold, no pretty wonder bold. there were people that were after them for that. Yeah. So we've got these these groups of Christians, and in some cases, like the first one, we're going to see uh, heretics that were saying that were deciding which books are genuinely from God, and they were trying to collect them together. And there were these early efforts at it. The first person was someone named Marcion. Um, and I'm going to read you a quote. It's, again, from the New Testament documents, um, Are They Reliable, that F.F. F. F. Bruce wrote. And, uh, this is from page 17. And he says, the earliest, list of Christ- I'm sorry, the earliest list of New Testament books, which we have definite knowledge was drawn up, uh, of which we have knowledge, was drawn up at Rome by the heretic Marcion about 140 A.D. Marcion distinguished the inferior creator God of the Old Testament from the God and Father revealed in Christ, and believed that the church ought to jettison all that appertained to the former. This theological anti-Semitism involved rejecting not only the entire Old Testament, but also those parts of the New Testament which seemed to him to be infected with Judaism. It's a pretty terrible thing yeah. that is going on in the you know around by 140. So Marcion's canon consisted of two parts. A, the expurgated edition of the third gospel, in other words, a cut-down version of the gospel of Luke, which is the least Jewish of the gospels being written by the Gentile Luke, and B, ten of the Pauline epistles, the three pastoral epistles being omitted. Marcion's list, however, does not represent the current verdict of the church, but a deliberate aberration from it. And I bring that up because people sometimes mention Marcion and they'll talk about, well, this is, how do you know that his canon isn't the actual canon of scripture? Well, he was deliberately trying to eliminate Judaism from it. He was, he was, it was an anti-Semitic effort. And even then he was, he was, you know, so there were at least 10 of Paul's letters that he was agreeing to. He was agreeing that the gospel of Luke was in fact, you know, scripture, you know, even though it was part of it was taken out. And that was the first effort. It was around 170. And then you've got this thing called the Muratorian Fragment. And I think it was discovered, um, and I believe it was in 1740, it was discovered. There was a guy named Ludovico Antonio Muratori. He was an, an Italian scholar. And he discovered this ancient fragment that's been dated to around 170 AD. And this fragment is the oldest known list of New Testament books. It's not the actual books themselves, but it's like a table of contents. Here's the list. And it mentions Luke and John, but it's interesting that when it mentions Luke, it mentions it as the third gospel. And the interesting, the, the fragment itself, the beginning of the fragment, the top of the page is 
damaged and you can't see what was written there. So the speculation is that Matthew and Mark are listed there, but it just starts with saying Luke, the third gospel. It's got Luke and John. Um, and then um, it's dated, like I say, it's dated to about Rome, about uh, AD 170. And the reason they date it to AD 170, even though he found it in the 1700s, the reason they date it to AD 170 is that the the list refers to um, Pius I of Rome as a recent uh, as recently passed and he died in AD 157 so it's it's a references this is like just in recent memory and so um, they think it must have been written right around the time that, that Pius I died I don't want to chase that rabbit but um, and I don't want to get uh, derail us but uh, it is important that uh, to know how they yeah, oh, got sure. those those dates because, sure. you know, whether whether a writer spoke of something, if they if there's a uh, a marker in mm-hmm. history, yep. you know, like the destruction of uh, Jerusalem. Yep. I mean, we know when that happened. Yep. And then they speak of it in the past, or they speak of it as if they don't even know that it happened. Right. Then they can kind of put uh, put it within a time frame. Yeah, they, have, um, they can set they can set a time frame around, not an exact day, right? But right. a time frame around yeah. it. Yeah. And one of the other reasons that it's an important thing, I'll, I'll just tell you of some conversations that I've had. Um, I have had many people come to me who are you know this is from the skeptical crowd, and they'll say, well, the Bible was written you know by the Catholic Church starting in 325 A.D. And they'll, some people have actually said it was just written by them. And they're very very confident about that. And so I'll ask them, I'll say, um, did Constantine and did the members of this council, did they have a time machine? And you'll get this weird look on your face. Say, what are you talking about? I say, I mean, we've got physical copies of the Bible, fragments of it, in some cases large portions of it from 200 A.D., so if they wrote it in 325, they had to have some way to push it backwards in time, 125 years, in order for, you know, the only way I can think to do that is with a time machine. So this, how did they get this? And when did this document get dated to? They become important to be able to respond to some of these sort of, you know, radical comments. And I, I don't, I say radical, these are largely uneducated comments. Mm-hmm. These are people that have read an article and they think that they're just going to run with it. And they'll tell you this, and, you, and when you begin to try and dig into any depth about this, you immediately immediately run out of things to say. Typically, they walk away, and they don't want to talk anymore because they don't want to have, you know. Yeah. And a lot, I, you know, one, one of the things, too, Scott, I, I think there's a lot of people that hear, th- you know, they hear something, and right. they may hear a part of it. Right. And uh, sometimes we do selective hearing as humans. Um, what? I didn't hear that whole thing. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. I know. Just kidding. Sometimes they can really think that that's true, yeah. but they really haven't. They're just repeating. They're parroting what somebody else has said. That's right. And they really haven't given it much thought. That's right. And they do it with all. Um, uh, they're very genuine in doing it. Yeah, sure. Uh, they think it's true, and it's really not. And that's one of the reasons that we keep sort of reemphasizing the fact that when you're engaging a person, especially when it's time to sort of help correct these sort of misunderstandings you do it gently and whenever i talk about a time machine i i'm trying to br- bring a little levity into the conversation i'm not trying to bash somebody over the head with them. i'm not trying to hurt their feelings um i have found people that are very devoted to their ideas and they're very closed to the possibility that they're wrong and those are the people that will walk away if you try and sort of show them another perspective and say yeah, i'm not sure that you're right here and here's why um, they'll tend to walk away. But, yeah, you're right. There's a whole other crowd out there that are just looking for the truth. And they may have a portion of, of an article, and I wonder what that means. I, you, when you and I taught that class, 
um, those all those years ago on apologetics. I remember that audience. There are a lot of times they asked very sincere questions, and they were not, you know, like, why did this happen? Well, no, we need to talk about that. But there was no malice in those questions. Mm-hmm. They just wanted yeah. to, you know, sort of discuss them and that they'd heard. And these were all people that had a a um, a high level of interest in spirituality oh, in relationship yeah. with God. These would that most of them would consider themselves. Christians. Oh, sure. I think that's right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let me just let me continue just a little bit more about this Muratorian fragment. There's a quote, and it I, I looked several places for it. You can get a really in-depth discussion, several pages long. There's a book that Bruce Metzger wrote called The Canon of the New Testament. Really good book. It's it's one of these. It's almost a textbook level for college uh, mm-hmm. classes. Uh, it's on pages 191 to 201, so it's you know, 10 good pages, and I don't think I want to quote 10 pages in here. So I looked for a little quick summary, and I've, I found it on Britannica to, uh, Britannica.com, and the quote is, um, the Muratorian fragment, a late 2nd century CE fragment of a Latin list of New Testament writings, then regarded by Christians as canonical, scripturally authoritative. So it says what, it, what canonical means. It means it's scripturally authoritative. It was named for its discovery, Ludovico Antonio Muratori, an Italian scholar who published the manuscript in 1740. The first mentions, sorry, the list mentions two of the four Gospels, Luke and John, in their traditional order, the Acts of the Apostles, the 13 letters attributed to the Apostle Paul, the letter of Jude, two letters of John, the Wisdom of Solomon, and the Apocalypses of John and Peter. The Shepherd of Hermas was listed as a book for private devotions. So this is an uh, this is another. Here's an attempt to collect together what somebody at least believed would be authoritative scripture. And you know this is early, very very early on. So there were all these efforts to say L- we know God's speaking to us. Let's figure out which documents are from God. And you know Marcion had his own his own sort of agenda here. I get the impression that whoever wrote the Muratorian fragment is probably more genuinely interested in less of a, you know, let's weed out all the Judaism and and that sort of thing. Um, But it it speaks to this idea that the skeptics have said that, you know, the Council of Nicaea decided on the canon. Now, I think the best, I want to spend a second or two on this idea of the, of the, uh, the Nicaean Council, because... Somebody might ask, well, if they got together, did they get together? Yes, they got together. There was a conversation that was that happened. Um, and if they didn't get together to invent the canon, then why did they get together? There was a, there was a controversy that, um, at least in, in part, there was a controversy between two um, believers, two leaders in the, in the Christian movement. Called, one was named Athanasius and one was named Arius. And Arius, there's a thing called the Arian... Uh, Arian heresy, I think is what they call it. And Arius came up with this idea that Jesus wasn't God. He was not of the same substance as God, but he was of a different and similar substance to God. And Athanasius came up and he said, no, no, no. Jesus and God, or Jesus and the Father are of the same substance. And so there was this big discussion in uh, the Nicene Council about whether Jesus was of the same or similar substance. And that was that did come out of there, and it was basically agreed by everybody that, yes, Jesus is of the same substance as God. He's not like God. He is God. And so that was, that was one of the major reasons that this council got together. Um, and I want to read one quote. It's actually a New York Times um, article, and the article is called Defenders of Christianity Rebut the Da Vinci Code. 
and um, in that article, there's this chunk, there's this section here, and it's specifically about the Council of Nicaea that I think will be helpful um, as it relates to the Da Vinci Code. And the article says, though for many readers the notions about Christian history in the Da Vinci Code seem new and startling, the novel introduces to a popular audience some of the debates that have been that have gripped scholars of early Christian history for decades. The academic chatter grew louder after after the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 1950s and of ancient texts in Nag Hammadi, Egypt in 1945. Among the findings were early Christian scriptures and fragments not included in the New Testament, including writings that scholars have come to call the, uh, quote, Gospels of Mary, Peter, Philip, Thomas, and Q. The Da Vinci Code floats the notion that the 4th century Roman Emperor Constantine suppressed the earlier Gospels for political reasons and imposed the doctrine of divinity of Christ uh, at the Council of Nicaea in 325. Now that's that's the notion that the Da Vinci Code is trying to push. And what we're saying is that's not that's not the way that this ended up going. This is not it was not sort of this sort of separate group that said, "Okay, Let's pick, everybody raise your hand if you think the Gospel of Peter belongs. Okay, it doesn't belong. Everybody raise your, you know, that's that's not the way it happened at all. The way it happened is is the way J.I. Packer mentioned it. They assembled books that the church had already declared to be scripture. They just assembled them. It's not like they said, this is scripture, that's not scripture. People already knew that the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were, they were from God. They knew that. They knew the writings of Paul were from God. And they put them together and made a canon out of them. So how is canonicity, that's, you know, how is the canon determined? How do, you, how do we determine or how did they determine when they looked at a book and they said, is this scripture? I already said that, you know, the church had already accepted it. That's one of the criteria. Um, but there are various sort of things that they looked at. They say, does this have this piece? Does it do this? Does it, you know, is it written in this way or whatever? Let's, I think the best way to do it, let's stop here because that's going to be a lengthy discussion. And let's let's wait till the next conversation. And I'm going to go through kind of, I told you Michael Kruger is a guy that, I, that the, his book is a really good book. We're going to walk through some of the things that he has to say about it. And there are some other people that talk about here is how they decide what belongs in the canon. And we'll uh, we'll pick up next time there. I do want to mention something just real quick because you mentioned, um, and we're talking about dating. And as you were talking, I was uh, remembering, depending on um, what level of book you're reading, because you did mention, well, this is more of a, what you would get at a, uh, like a seminary or at yep. a graduate level uh, theological uh, university yep. or whatever. Um, and I, I remember the first time when I was doing undergraduate work in theology, and we had the idea of CE, and because yeah. you'd mentioned CE, common era. common era, which is the same thing as AD, That's right. which year of the Lord. But if people are, are looking up, are they looking at an article? You could have one article that uses CE, and you can go, "What in the heck is that?" It's the same or, thing. And, yeah. and, or and then you can say, "Well, another another article talking about something similar, AD." I just wanted to kind of clear that up for our our listeners, yeah. uh, common era and uh, AD. 
uh, year of the Lord in Latin. I, I I don't speak Latin, so I, I won't try to pronounce Anno Domini it. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah, what it is. Yeah. But I think uh, a lot of people use CE these days if they're skeptics because they don't like the idea of the, cr- yeah, the Christian yeah, reference. Yeah, AD. because when you do the AD thing, you are automatically kind of referring to a Christian orientation. Right. So uh, right. just just for our listeners, and right. they'll say BCE before Common Era, yeah, before instead yeah. of before Christ. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Anyway, good conversation. We'll uh, pick it up next time. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit Christ-centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972-243-4673. That's 972-243-4673. For questions and comments, email Galen at jamesgroupministries.net. That's G-A-L-O-N at jamesgroupministries.net. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.